Today is going to be a little bit of a different uh, podcast episode. Um, two reasons. I've been a little bit lazy in finding guests, so I didn't have anybody lined up. Um, but it's good timing because there's been this topic that I've been thinking a lot about lately and um, posted about it on LinkedIn last week. And I got lots of uh, quite a few people to respond back saying they disagreed with me, which was great. So I wanted to go through that go through uh, my experience with it and um, my thinking, which I still think despite the, you know, the varying opinions in that comment thread, which were awesome. I love being challenged. Uh, I'm still pretty confident in my take, although there are a couple of things now I'm, you know, I'm looking into to maybe see I need to adjust my thinking. So it's on attribution. Um, you know, I think so attribution is something that i feel like all marketers love to preach including myself uh i was in a pretty big mode of you know you're you're wanting to showcase what you want to you want to know how good you are how much revenue you're driving um kind of toot your own horn a little bit at the same time understand you know which ones are driving the most revenue so that we can do more of them right um and the way i've read things from the market every people out in the world they seem to have it in place and it seems conceptually easy to understand you just got to put it in place and then uh and then you can move on and make you know really great database decisions as i've pushed people on that i've found that it's not as clear cut as it seems to be so there's a lot of reasons for that so let me kind of back up, give you my experience with attribution, and I'll get pretty detailed. And uh, that will kind of give you the foundation of how I'm coming at things this way. And, uh, and then, you know, and, and how I formulated my opinion now. So <clears throat> my last job, uh, which was my first full-time gig out of uh, college, which turned into, you know, like a, it was an internship full-time role, became like the marketing ops guy. Um, that's how automation started for me. And uh, I won't name the company, but it rhymes with Lincoln Hovey. And uh, Franklin Covey, they're awesome. I loved my time there. And when one of the one of the things I was tasked with was was attribution, right? The combination of like lead scoring, MQLs, all that, all that stuff. And uh, as a new kind of entry level guy, I uh, this sort of stuff was not taught in college. So I was learning a lot of it and I was soaking it up like it was really practical and I was eating it up mostly from uh, vendor content. So uh, whether that was like HubSpot or Eloqua or Marketo blogs, content, that kind of feeding out like the education you can have like Salesforce too, right? Um, they put out their universities with the platforms you're on and then you can learn the platform and then they also try and teach you like marketing strategy, right? And and attribution is one of the stuff that they, they go over. And so I was eating that stuff up and they're like, okay, you can create all these different models, U-shape, W-shape, time-based, decay, uh, linear, whatever you want, custom. And I was like, okay, we don't have this. It would be awesome to have because uh, Franklin Covey, we were selling training, which is an 
really kind of fun nurturing cycle, like an emotional type product to sell and which can create a lot of experiences. And so that's what we were in. We're really in like an experience based uh, marketing team, lots of events. And so we wanted to know what, you know, what is, what is working. And we didn't, we didn't really quite have that. So at least in qual in quantitative measures. So I'm going to, uh, I start tackling this and pretty soon found out that in our case, it wasn't possible. So, and I was at first as, you know, like a new hire, relatively young in my career, didn't quite make sense because I was still learning. But what it ended up being was like, I had come to these consultants with uh, Eloqua or whatever, and we would talk about we implementing this. We're like, okay, yeah, all you have to do this. And I start, we start trying to build it and it all breaks down. And the reason it started breaking down was because operationally we weren't built to handle it. And in fact, there was no way to handle it. So with training, we were selling, we were selling essentially suites of training that had multiple different progress products within like the product line that you'd kind of buy in a bundle. And from an operational standpoint, because it's training and there's like consultants and different things with each product, uh, we, our opportunities in Salesforce had to be uh, split out. And the sales team obviously wanted to save time. So what they would end up doing is that when they'd have an opportunity in the pipeline at first, they'd make a dummy opportunity and um, call it, you know, blanket solution for this client. And then if they actually sold the deal, they would delete that one and recreate uh, all the, the opportunities and immediately close one them for the different products that they had. So from a time standpoint of the sales team, it helped. It annihilated any chance we had of pulling marketing data. And and the you know the support success reps essentially said, well, unless you change your stuff, you're not going to be able to do it. So it got really messy, really fast. And that was a, a lesson that I learned, I feel like pretty quickly, at least with my attempt, uh, was that, which failed, was that it was super messy. And, um, and we couldn't do it. And so this seemingly easy to understand concept of some kind of attribution model where we could understand, you know, this event is driving uh, this much revenue, we just couldn't get there. And it wasn't as easy as the MarTech vendors originally pitched it to us for business operation reasons. And as I dealt with that disappointment, I started thinking, well, if I had this data, what would I actually do with it? <clears throat> it was a pretty heavy sales motion type company, right? Like, um, Sales had a very large influence on how we decided our marketing budget and which I think most companies do. And, 
And so I was like, what are, what are we even going to do with that? Because if I know event type one is driving made up numbers here, 10,000 a month and event type two is 2000 a month or whatever, how am I even confident that that is the case? And part of the problem was I was just trying to prove, and I think our whole team and most of us, quite honestly, when we get into this attribution, and I have, um, I believe it was Allison on on this post, uh, share this with me, the idea that most of us, when it comes to attribution, we're trying to prove our worth rather than improve our work which is what I was trying to do, which we wanted to do, right? We wanted to show the sales team and the C-suite that, hey, look how good marketing is actually doing at their jobs. Um, and as I played that kind of a conversation in my head of what that conversation would look like with you know those executives, I started thinking, well, what if they push back on that? And they say like that, you know, you say event type one is actually driving uh, 10,000 a month. I don't think that's true. I would have a hard time actually responding to that because when you look at the models that MarTech vendors have put out as far as attribution, linear based, U-shaped, double shaped uh, W-shaped, time-based decay, or a custom, what is happening is that before you implement it, you have to decide which touch points, or first and last touch too, I don't want to forget about those, or more single touch ones, you have to decide which which touch point is worth the most. So in a U-shaped model, you are putting the biggest weight on the conversion to the first touch point and the last touch point. In a W1, it's the first, last, and middle that kind of all get the same, and then everything else is lower. In a linear one, everybody gets the same. But you see the problem with those is the weight and the influence of which touch point influenced the sale is predetermined. And you didn't ask that individual or sales that client, that prospect, what it actually was. Like, who's to say somebody that didn't know about your brand at all happened to see a Google ad, right? And they would have converted whether or not they went to your event and attended the webinar and downloaded the ebook and filled out the demo request. Like, they might have just bought anyways. And, uh, and that's going back to, like, the idea of improving rather than improving, that those models, they focus on Revenue driven per touch point. And while that might look good if you're trying to tell your CMO and COO and CEO that marketing drove so many millions of dollars in pipeline and closed one revenue, it's not actionable. There's actually nothing to do with it. It's just a pretty number. And, and if you were held to the fire on it, I would imagine that you wouldn't be able to to get a lot of backing to it. Okay, so fast forward a little bit. Now I'm at Cloud App, uh, totally different business model, freemium SaaS, sales motion. Since we're a product-led growth type company, um, nurturing is a totally different experience. 
sell cycle is really fast for like early new deals because you can get in, you can try it, and then we scale up, right? Um, so here's, after thinking about that and being influenced by a few people on LinkedIn and different things, here's, here's how I view attribution and what I think it should do. Uh, I love the idea of using it to improve work rather than prove it. So forget, because anecdotally, like if, Odds are that like most marketing teams sell the sell send leads to the sales team that aren't great, right? So sales is always clamoring for more leads, but what they really want are more leads that they don't even really have to set up an appointment with. They just get the meeting set. And uh, those are typically low in volume. And so you have to send them other leads and then they get frustrated with you and blah, blah, blah. Um, <clears throat> So as far as like proving your worth, if the sales team was like, yeah, I barely have to set meetings. I know everything the marketing team sends me is legit. Then I don't have to worry. Then like, that's all you need to be able to prove is that if sales teams like marketing's great, then you're probably, you're probably fine. Um, <coughs> excuse me. All right, so using it to improve rather than to improve rather than prove. So how do you do that? Well, you need to know, here's how I would do it. You need to know which sources, right, are most indicative that somebody's going to close. So it's all probability based. I would, especially at the beginning, I would, I would move away from, I would move away from uh, like dollar based models like if you're attributing a dollar amount to a model i would i would stay away from that because it's not as actionable what i would do is i'd look at i would individualize each funnel and i would look at the i would look at two rates i would look at the pipeline uh qualified pipeline created rate and then i'd look at the closed one rate which is what we're building right now um so and you can go as granular as you feel like you need to do like i'm all of your forms, right, probably should be in there. If you're going to, if you're doing events, those should be included. So you look at, okay, I, the number of people that attended this event, how many closed, uh, created a qualified opportunity and how many of them closed. And obviously you gotta give yourself a, um, a timeline. That's totally up to your business case. Monthly, quarterly, whatever. Long sales cycles you might have to go a year. Um, and then you get those probabilities. So if somebody fills out a demo request, then we are confident there, there is like a 10% chance that that demo request is going to close into a close one deal. And there's a 40% chance that, you know, we get a conversation and an opportunity, whatever your rates are. I'm just throwing the numbers out. Uh, and you do that for each of your sources. So then right off the bat, you can look at, okay, I know that for every 100 demo requests we get, we're going to get 14 customers or seven since I said the 7% or whatever it was. Um, now you have something to work with because you can now compare each source by its close rate. And I think that's the first step. Now, uh, depending on what you sell, uh, 
there's probably different price points and sizes of deals, right? So I would take that first look and see if there's anything actionable you can get out of it. If if there are certain sources that are closing deals at like 50, 60%, then you realize, okay, maybe I need to understand what it is that gets people to that point willing to do X thing and get more people to do that X thing. What you can then do is if you can take those individualized funnels and do two things. You can then put on top of it average deal size and you can put on top of it the velocity, right? So if your demos close at a 10% rate with an average deal size of $10,000, but it takes 60 days to close it, and then you have like a quote request, something different, but for some reason, those close at a 25% rate with a $20,000 close rate. Sorry, I'm getting all my terms right. $20,000 average deal size, and they close within 30 days. Well, I mean, so you can look at all those. And then if you have enough resources and time and you know, the math and whatever, you can layer them up. So somebody that goes to an event and fills out a demo, what's the probability that they close? And And then you can start getting, you know, insight into what, not just what single experiences, but what combination of experiences are indicative of being willing to, to purchase. That's way more actionable. That allows you to improve your work and actually do what it was probably supposed to do in the first place. So, um, and those aren't models that, uh, that vendors are, you know, preaching. I don't think, I don't see them. Uh, they're uh, touching back to a couple of things that people fought back on me with this. Uh, one thing I'm not experienced in with that I want to look up, maybe you can share thoughts if you have experienced it, but there's some algorithmic uh, attribution models out there that supposedly through systemized math can interpret the uh, weight of certain touch points on what uh, contacts, like what influenced the deal. Uh, I'm skeptical, but I don't know enough and not much at all, actually. So I need to go learn what those are. And uh, and then there is an idea that I do think is somewhat, like if you're using a linear model or if you're using any of those, and you're consistent over time, then then you're able to identify trends. And I think that's a little more helpful because then the change in values from month or quarter to quarter <coughs> for each source's attributed revenue is more important. And the model, the model itself isn't as important, so it's not as big of a deal because you're just trying to track changes. And um which I which I do think is helpful. So if you're using if you're using like linear models and stuff like that to track changes over time, that's saying like, hey, our webinars are starting to not do as good. Maybe we need to freshen them up or whatever. I think there's some stuff. I think there's some value to that. So, um, but 
you would be able to see that same trend using individualized funnels um, month over month, quarter over quarter, so forth. So those are my thoughts. Would love to have you hit me up if you think I'm wrong and tell me why, because if I am wrong, I need to learn, but I don't think I am. So uh, let me know what you think. Uh, have a great day and we'll, we'll see you next time.